0: and frequently.
1: Good morning. You are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. I'm your host, Lily Sloan. I'm a psychotherapist in San Francisco, and this is a show where we talk about the intersection of psychotherapy, personal growth, and activism. And if you want to join in the conversation, you can tweet at us during the show at, at Radical underscore Advice. And please send in some life questions by going to RadicalAdviceShow.com and clicking Submit. Um, I believe I stopped doing the math, but I believe there are only five more broadcasts after today. So get your questions in before time is out and they will never, ever be answered. Ever. Um, I mean, I guess you could ask somebody else, but not the same, not the same. So also just a reminder, this show does not replace mental health treatment. So uh, whatever issues you're dealing with, we may be able to talk about in a more general way, but uh, definitely recommend you speak with a trained professional who can cater to your specific needs. So I w- woke up, um, well, uh, grumpy. <laughs> After a series of horrible dreams that just, you know, tapped into my deepest, darkest fears and anxieties. I even had to kill a guy. Like, you know, that's not a great way to start a Tuesday. So the morning has been a little bit rough. And I just found myself thinking about coming and doing the show and wondering what it was that I would want to model what like what I would want to pass on to you if you were telling me about your rough morning and all the things that were kind of making you spin out for me it was also some some bits of news about some more bullshit the Trump administration is doing really really getting to me today and I don't know I was very conflicted I think there was there's a part of me that feels like "Ah, I'm just upset and I just have to be upset and whatever and fuck it um and there was a part of me that was trying to think about what other kinds of coping mechanisms I wanted to use and I'm not here to tell you I have the answer to that but the, I guess thinking about it and trying to imagine what regulating myself would look like was kind of doing it already. Um, I don't feel amazing, but I i guess sometimes having the thoughts and putting intention into noticing where you're at and um, recognizing that you're having a tough time is, is regulating in and of itself. And sometimes it it doesn't look like, oh, now I feel great. But it can look like, well, I'm not completely losing my shit. So that's today's lesson. (laughs) But now let's do something that I think I could use. Maybe you could use too. Which is our little Tuesday morning meditation check-in. So just take a moment from whatever you're doing. Close your eyes if it's safe for you to do so, maybe hold a soft gaze towards something kind of neutral, whatever works for you. And just pay attention to your breath. Whatever's going on around you. Your breath continues to move in and out of your body, keeping your heart pumping, your blood flowing, keeping you alive. Your breath is extremely basic. And it's a really important place to come to when everything else feels really hard to grasp. So today's meditation, I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you to go anywhere else. It's just about the breath. Inhalations and exhalations over and over. Drift off into your thoughts, to start latching onto other things in your environment, in your brain. When you notice that happening, you can just come back to your breath again. So thank you so much for listening today and tuning in to yourself as we try to manage whatever comes up. I'm really excited about today's guest, Abby volk who I'm going to introduce to you uh, for real after we hear her song, which I'm also excited to listen to because I don't think I've listened to it since... Mm. Probably the late 90s, and I know I used to really enjoy this song when I was younger. So let's let's do it for the inner child. Here's Fire Water Burn by the Bloodhound Gang.
0: The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Jimmy Pop and I'm a dumb white guy I'm not old or new but middle school Fifth grade like junior high I don't know mofo if y'all peeps be beep. And give giving props to my hoe cause she fly But I can take the heat cause I'm the other white meat Known as Kid Funky Fried Yeah, I'm hung like planet Pluto Hard to see with a naked eye But if I crashed into Uranus I would stick it where the sun don't shine Cause I'm kind of like Han Solo Always stroking my own wookie. I'm the root of all that's evil Yeah, but you can call me Cookie The root Motherfucker, burn. Yo, yo, this hardcore ghetto gangster image Takes a lot of practice I'm not black like Barry White, no I'm White like Frank Black is So if man is five and the devil is six Then that must make me seven i
1: people. You're listening to Radical Advice on BFF.fm. I'm your host Lily Sloan and joining me here in the studio is Abby Volk Newberg. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. So happy to have you. We were just listening to uh, the classic Firewater Burn by the Bloodhound Gang from 1996. For some reason I thought it was like
2: like a couple years later than that. I think because they had a lot of popular, I guess the, you know sophomore songs that yeah, came out later became really
1: popular. right. Nineteen ninety six. I know. I just I feel like I was yeah. Hmm. I Any, just started high school then. I just started uh, <laughs> middle school. Yeah. <laughs> uh but I yeah we were chatting a little bit while it was between us like headbanging banging a little bit, but um. I, yeah, I hadn't listened to that song in so long and it, as soon as like let it burn, let the motherfucker burn happened, I was like, oh, this is what I need right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's
2: very healing. I, I think, you know, like just like in the 90s when we were, well, when I was a teenager and I needed a little bit of something to, you know, get that good old teen angst out you know, Bloodhound Gang definitely a song like this fulfilled it. And I think right now, in our angst of our very legitimate adult life, watching horrible things happen to our environment and our communal around us, I think we need a little rage as well. Yes, yes. I was actually just tweeting about how important
1: <clears throat> anger is the other day. After mm-hmm. there was there was an article that was you know some some people kind of coming after Elizabeth Warren for being angry and antagonistic. I'm just mm-hmm. like. My immediate reaction was to become extremely angry and antagonistic. <laughs> like fuck
2: that. I don't know. She's supposed to be quiet and sit down yeah. and yeah. you know, everyone should just be
1: calm. There's nothing to be angry about. No, don't you know. panic. No, yeah, you know, anger's so corrosive.
2: It is. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the idea, right? We wanna we and corrosion can sometimes be good and breaking down things that are really yes. too too rigid. Yeah. so sometimes, I mean, I, I love a lot of this whole, you know, um, there's a meme been going around where I can't remember where, where they were doing silent protests. They weren't saying anything and people were like, this is a future of protesting. I'm like, it's a form of protesting, but to mm-hmm. idealize this idea of like standing around and shutting up, I'm like, I don't, I think that, I don't think we have, I don't know demonizing, but I don't idealize. And it's also like we have, there's all forms of protest. Yeah, yelling is also good. Yes. Yeah yeah
1: that's I mean, yeah, you see that a lot um i I see a lot of stuff kind of coming from the more um from a certain segment of the kind of left like hippie left that's um very concerned about all the anger and all the noise and mm-hmm. and 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 they want things to be peaceful and and um I, I just, I think that's, I think it's conflict avoidant <laughs> or it can be. And it's also yeah. like, I'm sorry, but the situation calls for things to be a little louder than that. And like, there's, it takes it, there's privilege involved in being able to be like, but we can just, you know, be silent and peaceful and, mm-hmm. you know,
2: what does it take to be able to do that? Well, I, also, I mean, I also like I've have been on the um I've been on a podium about this. This is my personal perspective, not from like learned it years. But I also kind of feel like, well, great peace and quiet. And I think, so, you know, having been a yoga teacher, having been part mm, of that right? community, I, you know, I see sometimes is a bit of like a spiritual bypass, not really accepting the fullness of our humanity and yeah. wanting, wanting internal peace, but, but through kind of avoidance strategies. And another thing I like to say is that, you know, if you if you want to be, you know, meditating for hours and have deep peace and tranquility, which ultimately results in your state of transcendence, um, cool. But the rest of us are still going to be engaged on this realm right now. <laughs> and we're going to be pissed off for it if we want, you know, if we want to be attached to this world and we want anything to change about it. So yeah, personally, yeah. I'm not uh, this lifetime, I guess, I'm not totally bent towards transcendence, and I prefer not to have that heaped on to me by the destruction of the planet. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little pissed off about I it. I think grumpy. we should all
1: be transcending the destruction of the planet.
2: I Yeah. Right? I, <laughs> you know? I, um, I've noticed that, like, NASA things are really popular. Yeah. And I had this thought that I'm like, I think a lot of people's um, fascination recently around nasa is i i think this kind of escapism like this desire to not have to really deal with the frightening aspects of what's happening yeah with our environment with our our society and so i'm like why is nasa so popular that was just my thought
1: i think that could be part i mean i'm very i'm very drawn to space things and i Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot
2: of various parts to it
1: but i think that the the fantasy of of being being in a place where we're I don't know, like in a Star Trek future where, you know, we're beyond the problems of our Earth uh, is really appealing for sure. Yeah. And we're we're uh, we're just not even close.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We all want we all want the Star Trek future.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a little more racially diverse. Have you watched the recent season, though? Yes. Oh, you mean of Discovery? Yes. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're bringing in some it's really. It's funny. Good Second week in a row, Discovery has come up on the show.
2: Well, I, I mean, so I've always loved sci-fi. Oh, I always have enjoyed using sci-fi as a way of escapism and it being the my hope in what feels really um, scary. Yeah. But I yeah. was like, I think maybe this psychologically is also being shared with the greater collective. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I think absolutely.
1: We, we have some really big problems, yeah. and we we need big solutions, and it's it's a lot. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I think we have a lot of big solutions. It's just people need to implement them.
1: Well, there's that, too. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, there. well, one of the problems being blockages oh. to implementing yeah. solutions. Um, yeah. Oh, it's so... Like, I'm in the mode today where I'm just like, ah, why is that so fucking hard? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But Abby... So excited to have you on the show. Can you uh, say, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, what's a normal question to ask right now? Uh, <laughs> where were you born? <laughs> um, I, I think it would be great for listeners to, to know a little bit about um, your work as a therapist, and what, what you're up to in your practice. Right
2: now, well, let yeah, maybe we can. Um, not that we can't be angry, but maybe we can like sublimate that, sublimate that anger into some really fun, um, pleasure based yeah. conversation.
3: Ooh. Yeah,
2: we can eroticize it because we can talk about ooh erotic anger. Yeah, erotic oh, well, anger. That's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so I am um, a sex therapist. And I'm also a trauma therapist. I work with individuals. So, yeah. And um, you're in San Francisco. I'm in San Francisco. Are you,
1: you're downtown, right? I'm downtown. Downtown, it's where Abby's town. office is. <laughs> downtown, go and talk to her about Say, se- I did not write this ahead of time. <laughs> I like it. Please continue if you can. Uh <laughs> Downtown. <laughs> you're gonna get some good therapy Yay. downtown okay this was so bad let's continue with what you were saying it's so
2: bad it's good sure <laughs> um so I'm just I mean like so what so what do I do I mean, what, I mean what does a sex therapist do well we don't have sex with people we I mean
1: you have you get to have sex with people
2: oh yeah, that's true. Just not I your mean, client. I mean, I guess if you're asexual and you choose not to, or you, whatever. You,
1: you're allowed to have sex with, with some people. Yeah,
2: some yeah. people who are not our clients, yeah. or previously were our clients, yeah. or so, might be our clients. Right. Well, so, I guess so. in certain <laughs> communities that are really small, there's definitely that possibility. But uh, <laughs> we don't we don't touch people, and um, unless, you know, and some, some therapists may give you a hug, but other than that, there's no touch involved in sex therapy. People, you know, I think very interesting like what what happens in sex therapy um it's a lot like most therapy but um they you know what's really fun about sex therapy i think is that it's not maybe just talking about um what's wrong but like what can what can we how can we expand what's happening in your life to maybe create more pleasure Mm. or more joy, or give you more options, or relieve a sense of anxiety around it. I think actually a lot of sex therapists, I mean, we talk a lot about functioning, in other words, like pain, or people having challenges around erections, or not feeling sexual desire, or not having pleasure in a certain way in their bodies. Um, And I think there's a lot of liberation that happens around letting go of shame, feeling more acceptance around how... one works sexually um the freedom to explore what that is and communicating and talking about these issues with somebody who um who who's really safe i think mm-hmm. it's really safe is not going to judge you i think a lot of people don't want to talk about what their erotic fantasies or desires are, because they really feel like nobody else feels that way, even though all internet porn will tell you differently mm-hmm. um, and, <laughs> totally. and they don't yeah. want their friends to know because then it's like, oh, then it's out there, and so like we have so much sexual shame because of our puritanical roots and just um you know, just deciding our expectations about what sex is supposed to look like, and yeah, um so. Ha, you know, coming talking to a therapist, you have a lot of anxiety. There's something going on that's really challenging sexually. Most people come when it's um, something is happening that's making it challenging for them to be sexually active with their partners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, we help them talk through the problem. And also maybe doesn't mean they're necessarily like, say it's something about penetrative sex um, that may not be on the table. We can also help people like say, well what is on the table? What why can you feel sexual or maybe sensuality or be able to express yourself um or connect with people in a way that's still going to feel fulfilling Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. maybe even um liberating yeah
1: well in this this combo you know you mentioned you're a sex therapist and you want to work with trauma it's like Mm -hmm. uh, those i'm sure overlap a lot yeah like the the things that are coming up around sex are can often be related to trauma yeah
2: Yeah. i think i mean the body is really smart this is what i like to say to a lot of people is that they go okay why is my not my body not doing something and Mm -hmm. so i think one thing that really commonly comes up is issues around quote-unquote performance yeah you know we should be doing a certain thing our body should be responding in a certain way and i like to say your body is smarter than you frontal lobe, your brain is, you know, it's, gonna, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. And it's not, gonna, whether that means lubricating or what that means, you know, um, uh, becoming erect and that, I don't even just mean that for a penis, like females, right, you know, right, right. tissue also, you know, gets erect as well. And, um, the, you know, so exp- the, in the body will just say, no, no, thank you. <laughs> 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 and so we really, ha- it's, um, so people, but then it can have like a reciprocal effect. People feel like they're broken and there's nothing wrong with them. And then it creates more anxiety. And then, of course, like um, the more we kind of admonish our body and try to push it, the more it often like resistance says, no, listen to me. Right. And so how do we kind of disentangle that and kind of step back to and then really listen to what our true desires versus what we think we should be feeling, doing, or, um, feeling you know emotionally or even spiritually I guess yeah, and really tuning in to the like honest experience of you know what's happening for you which is ultimately ultimately the true guide to having a really um, fulfilling or pleasurable or interesting hmm. or emotional or whatever because it's not always I like to say sex isn't all like happy. You know, joyous, smiley things. Sex is um, an expression of all of our humanness. Mm. So, so people laugh and giggle and are silly. People cry because it's they have connected with another person, or that they have moved through some deep mm-hmm. emotional shame or lack of belonging. And so, there's this natural sense of outpouring of grief that may happen, and that's yeah. really wonderful or people feel afraid because mm-hmm. of the vulnerability piece mm-hmm. i mean which vulnerability is an usually necessary in sex um and it's also what can make it exciting right so opening ourselves up to the fullness of the spectrum of one's ex- human experience through sexual um Sexual interactions, or thoughts, or feelings, or whatever you know, however it manifests itself. So it's like it's a. It, I love that sometimes you know, just like anything in psychotherapy, like certain things, like we call them just. Dis- I mean, I think disorders are really important, like depression or anxiety. But sometimes these come up as a wake up call, like mm-hmm. really to listen to our bodies, to truly tap into, um, our experience and you know how we need to show up as human beings versus how we think we should. Yeah. So we can really authentic and fully um, embodied and fully ourselves
1: Wow, (laughs) that sounds good i know that's every session i'm a fan (laughs) every session is just like yeah complete uh authenticity yeah achieved yeah ding
2: breakthroughs left and right yeah well
1: i i'm i'm wondering um what drew you to getting into this as a specialty?
2: Why sex therapy? Um, Well, I think two things. One is, as a trauma therapist, sexual abuse and sexual trauma are so prevalent in our society. I mean, we say one in four women have been sexually assaulted by the age of 18 and one in six men. And of course, there's also um, quoted that those statistics are actually low, you know. Mm. And so sexual abuse or sexual assault or how people I guess use the phrase sexual assault, but um it's so prevalent and and part a lot of my work would be processing through that and being able to release the painful beliefs in oneself, the triggering experiences. But then what are you left with? You know you're like, oh, but this is really um taken away so much mind my whatever, like someone who's maybe been sexually abused in a certain way and they haven't felt, they've been able to be really sexually active with people but they haven't felt really been able to be vulnerable.
1: yeah And
2: they're like, well, that ability to like even know how to be vulnerable, I'm like, I, I mean, I, there are ways I could help people but I also think that there's like well, how specifically do you do that when you're trying to have uh, sexually engaging somebody? Yeah And yeah. so I was like I don't know you know <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to take people beyond um, healing into thriving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, well, it feels like the next step is yeah growth. okay now we're gonna talk about how like pleasure right how, how you create that. And I think there's just like just generally for me I was just like super curious. Mm. And the world of sex is so big. I didn't even realize uh what that even what it even means to yeah. be a sex therapist. There are so many different forms of sex therapists, and they work different ways, and they work with different populations and challenges that people are facing. Right. um So some part of me was just like, uh, just like, what is this? You know, what is this? So right. I mean, like, I do a lot of my own. Like, I'm like, I'm a therapist because. Mainly because I'm deeply curious about the human experience. And then, of course, I like helping people. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't like helping people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I think what we should do is listen to a song and come back and uh, listen to a therapist. <laughs> Not a therapist, a listener question. Okay. Maybe you- the
2: listener is a therapist.
1: That's possible. That's al- that's always a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So this is a short one, but in the spirit of our discussion. I don't think that this is what the song is actually about, but I'm gonna <laughs> play it because of the title. And it's a good song. But uh here is um Bang On by the Breeders. <laughs> best frequencies forever you are listening to radical advice on bff.fm that was bang on by the breeders and i am here with abby volk newberg hello sex therapist extraordinaire extraordinaire (laughs) um is that how you you know you like to be? Is that, that this I imagine you like when you introduce yourself to a new client you say you walk out to them in the entryway and and you you say hello in this weird raspy whispery voice
2: diaphanous like robes on.
1: Yeah, with robes for sure and you're like
2: <laughs> I am
1: Abby Vogue Newberg,
2: sex therapist extraordinaire. Come into my office. And then they run away screaming. Really? <laughs> oh, that's disappointing.
1: Hmm. Well, um, it is time for a question. Oh. So I've got a couple that I was saving up for you. Um <laughs> I'm just gonna say everything a little like it's innuendo, even though it's not. It might all. be. Saving up this. <laughs> I've been saving this up for you, Abby.
2: Question for you. <laughs> this big old question. <laughs> coming in hot. sorry i
1: knew i knew like there would be the part where like i kept it together and i was very professional about what you know sex therapy and sex talk and then there was going to be the point where that yeah. stopped good and then i started being ridiculous and good. immature
2: because you know it sex th- sex is playful right and so if we can't be playful if we're all going uptight the whole time then that's not yeah. That's no fun. Or okay. that's not going to, you know. No, you're right.
1: You're right. And I think that, again, like if, if I was like, no, I just have to be very serious about it, then that's <laughs> limiting what yeah, the, the realm of what doing or talking about sex even is. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for validating my way of showing up around this topic. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm here for. Here is a question. This is a tough question, I think. All right, here we go. My boyfriend wants to bring another person into our relationship for sex. I have a strong intuition he has someone picked out, and this is all a manipulative ploy for him to get everything he wants, meaning me and this other woman. I'm so mistrusting of this situation that it's hard to even wonder if I'm someone that would be open to introducing other people into our sex life. Maybe, but the timing of all this seems so fishy. I'm mostly tempted to just say yes, see if he invites who I think he will, and then fucking dump his ass for all his stupid manipulations. Should I let him bring another woman into our bedroom or tell him to go fuck himself?
2: <laughs> I, I like those options. I mean, I like the whole go. Like, I mean, I, you know, well, I mean, I think before you even ha So. So um i'm like there's a lot going on there, there one is, yeah. is i think there's this already concern that there is some type of cheating going on i mean because yeah. this is what i'm feeling you know i'm i'm feeling from the very little information i'm getting yeah. from her and so I, you know and i'd like to say that not to minimize her concern and the violation of trust that and uh, sexual infidelity is it's it's common so that you know, as men like, oh, women are so paranoid or maybe some men in par- you know, are being paranoid in relationships. relationship. It's like, unfortunately, actually, um, people having affairs or, you know, having sex with people um, without the agreement of their partner outside of a relationship, whatever, you know, the type of relation, monogamous, monoga-ish, you know, open, mm-hmm. whatever. It's like it's 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 kind of gone. And so I, w- I just want to say is that I, without any more information about him or you guys or you that you know if there's a concern around that I think that probably should be addressed directly to him and secondarily before you ever open up a relationship and bring somebody in well I don't even know what your agreements are is that something that you'd already talked about that was on the table or what is this something that's completely brand new You've never explored this in your relationship before and mm-hmm. so um I can't I mean if you haven't, then that sounds like a deeper conversation to really talk about, and like you know lots of I don't even know all the questions you have to ask each other like what what is it you're thinking about doing? what are you gonna do about protecting yourselves against s t i s you know who would you like to um bring into it? why would you like to do it? what feelings might come up? what happens yeah. inevitably in anything and when I want to say jealousy not jealousy is in every relationship, but like what happens if jealousy what happens if someone You know, like whatever you pick someone together and then you decide, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, how do you communicate that you don't want to stop? And so there's a lot of things that, you know, conversations just generally need to happen. So, yeah, But what I'm guessing a little bit from this person writing is that she's not really motivated to like this doesn't sound like there's like an enthusiastic yes. No, you know, in in our in the world of consent, there's an idea of like there's yes and no. And then like um, more recently, people are talking about enthusiastic you know like an enthusiastic yes enthusiastic consent rather than me like yeah maybe yeah. i guess yeah that's that's awesome but actually feeling an excitement and desire yeah and yeah. Um, a want for it and if that's not what's showing up for you then it sounds like you have a lot of reservations you need to talk about but i but yeah. i'm imagining this sounds a little bit more like um a potentially painful situation for her
1: yeah i mean i don't i, I think i think it it doesn't even I think the part about are we gonna bring a third person in for sex is like not even yeah. on the table at this point. Because mm-hmm. the issue is that this person is feeling really uncomfortable with their partner's relationship with this other person, right. a specific person. Yeah. And so that to me is the first conversation, you know, is to to be like, I I don't know how I feel about having a threesome Mm -hmm. but I know how I feel about this person and what feels like a scare like a relationship you're having with this person that makes me feel really uncomfortable and scared yeah and like so even if I was open to a threesome I would not be open to one with that person yeah and there's more we need to talk about about that yeah (laughs) like I like it 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 just it I mean This person's description of the situation definitely makes their boyfriend sound like a douchebag. And if that's how they're feeling, if they think their boyfriend's a douchebag, maybe maybe it is time to like
2: tell him to go fuck himself or or, or at least to just break up. You know, you don't have to
1: say that, but you can if you
2: want to. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think people need to trust their guts. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, if you don't even you don't even necessarily need to ask answer the question and say okay so where's this you can just ask him where is this coming from yeah what, where does yeah, this yeah. desire coming from you know do you have anybody picked i mean let just let let him talk yeah you good, know good call ask yeah. him the questions don't need to add your two cents and just see where he's going and you, go, oh, you have somebody in mind and then like see how he responds and if you mm-hmm. like you know if he's like dodgy and weird about it and like you're like you're, like it seems like you're really uncomfortable and like I don't know Mm -hmm. so I mean you're going to get some more information just by asking him but like ultimately um yeah I like saying open-ended questions and let you know let people run what (laughs) they want to say and then you'll get a lot more information but yeah I think we're feeling the same thing is that she's kind of getting the sense it's like this is um this is you know having your well I guess like you should eat your cake if you're going to have it but like it's like having your cake and then like you know someone else's slice too yeah
1: Well, and I, I mean, I, I once had a friend like years and years ago, like share that their partner had come to them and said, look, like, I don't know what this means for our relationship, but I am having desire for another person and even said who it was. And like, it was really, really hard, Mm -hmm. but actually them having that honest conversation meant that nothing bad happened, No, you know, and like they were able to like work through what that was about and like know you know i mean who knows if something actually happened but at least she didn't know about it (laughs) but like it's like i think that there is a real problem if if there's caginess or manipulation or like there isn't honesty about what's like the more honesty that can happen also the more likely you can prevent the thing that some that the thing that would be a betrayal from actually happening like someone having those thoughts or desires isn't isn't necessarily in their control it doesn't mean that they're cheating on you but like what is you know first and even what for you is cheating you know that's gonna vary
2: that's very that's i mean for some people watching pornography is cheating for other people um having uh you know um you know making out is fine and um so there's there's such a variance Yeah. yeah yeah You know, and like having sexual desires for other people and having sexual fantasies about other people or things not related to your partner or your primary partners or, you know, the main people that you're romantically um, involved with is completely normal. It can be very scary, you know, and I think we have this like fantasy. I only have eyes for you. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. I mean, but you are you don't just because you fall in love with somebody doesn't mean somehow you no longer are like a sexual being in the world and not right. you know. So
1: Yeah. And it's it's like our and 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 really the 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 rules that various people are, are deciding on in, in relationships are changing partly in response to an acceptance of that reality. Mm-hmm. And so for some people that means accepting it means just being more real with themselves and not shaming themselves when those right. feelings come up, but still being monogamous. And mm-hmm. you know, um, for other people it means well, actually, I don't I don't want to have that limitation in my life, so I'm going to mm-hmm. pursue non non-monogamy mm-hmm. in my relationships but have it be, you know, actually a choice and mm-hmm. and something that everybody agrees on. Right. And yeah, I mean it's it's just it's really something I and even even in non-monogamy, mm-hmm. you still cheating can still happen. Absolutely. Because it can be something that's outside of the realm of what was agreed upon. Mm -hmm. And also, we're going to have reactions to different people in different ways. So I I know that there are some in past relationships there have been plenty of like female friends of partners who I didn't feel threatened by or like had no qualms with them hanging out or anything. And there was always like one (laughs) where I was like, something is really triggering me here. And I, you know, and it wasn't like a huge deal, but it was enough that it would just like needle at me a little bit. And I mean, usually there was a reason that was actually pretty valid. And it wasn't necessarily that they were cheating on me, but maybe they had good chemistry
2: or like, or maybe I just really didn't like her, (laughs) you know, whatever. And it's hard. We can't necessarily, I mean, we've, I mean, I think a lot of partners don't want to have that conversation like, oh, you have a sexual or somewhat romantic feelings, you know, like that's some, that's. You know, is that what you feel? Because we don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, like, it's kind of like, don't, like, don't, <laughs> don't ask. Don't tell me. That, yeah. You know, not that that. And I mean, not that everyone has to tell every single thing that they think about every fantasy or everyone who turns them on or whatever. But, yeah. you know, I think there's some degree of like, I wish for people that there was more of a an opportunity. I mean, like, even I have had to work through um, my discomfort around the fact that like I'm in a long-term relationship. I'm in a in a marriage and I'm a monogamous person. I'm in a marriage. I'm in a marriage. Marriage. Um in a marriage. That feels so old. Like like old like like back in the day. She's in a marriage. <laughs> um but like so I mean like just oof, we've been together for almost a decade now and married like since 2013. Not for a very long time, but I mean there's a there's an like inevitability that you know, being able to talk about, uh, you know, someone else's fantasies or whatever—it's like being able to be honest about that and just dealing with this. Um. My own like, what's a, what's a good way of describing it? My own limiting beliefs mm-hmm. around like being able to have that conversation, like, and yeah. you know, so and not feeling like that's th- yeah, threatening my relationship with somebody.
1: And it's, I mean, it is it is scary. It's scary it to to face those realities and, and like a lot of feelings that are scary to face or realities that are scary to face. Often once you do, it's actually not as bad as all the buildup and the fear when
2: you don't well, actually I, unpack it. I think the biggest fear is feeling threatened and acknowledging the fact that even if like, you know, so you're married um as you know much as you and your partner are, for me like i don't think everyone needs to get married if they want to be a long-term commitment even with a single person they want to be a just blah 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 but um or i don't even think everyone has to be or like successful marriages can last two years but yeah um oh i lost my train of thought around that oh shoot oh no lost it i think you were gonna say
1: something about like um all the orgies you have now yes yeah
2: That's- Keeps marriage alive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh oh well. Well, well, it was obviously well, super important. I'm sure.
1: I'm sure it was. Um, but but yeah, I mean the the honesty of those conversations is really intense and hard. And I and I can imagine like I've never been in a relationship that like the longest I think was four years, mm-hmm. and even then, oh. you you know those things can come up, but I can just. Uh, you know, when I when I've been in a relationship where there was the conversation about, you know, somebody wanting an open relationship, and and for me it was just so terrifying and not something I wanted. Mm-hmm. But the more I the more I like thought about it and really like sat with with things, I was like, hmm, I wonder if ten years into a relationship I might feel differently, <laughs> like if it was if it's a secure attachment. Mm-hmm. I think if it's a secure attachment then I could imagine there being room right. for some version of that because, like, you know, why not? <laughs> but but there's, there's so much internal work and together work that would have to yeah. happen combined with a feeling of, like, yeah, it's been a long time, and I really, like, <laughs> could use a different experience, you know?
2: Yeah. I think, it, I mean, like, we need to have, I mean... Whether it's monogamous, whether it's about being polygamous, we need other relationships in our life to sustain us, to grow us, to, to even feed our own relationship. I think, actually you remind me what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I finally brought it back around, which is like, ultimately, I think some of these things scare the shit out of us is because we realize that it's always a choice for our part. Well, I mean, I mean, some people in certain communities would disagree with me, but I don't Whatever you get to have your opinion, um. Yes, <laughs> you have your opinion. No, no, you. Don't I'm to right have though. Opinion. I'm a professional, but like you know <laughs> that it's a choice every day. Yeah. Every day it's a choice, and it's always a commitment of growing and working on things. And when you say, "Oh, other people," and then you go, "Oh, wait, you mean it?" Just I think it really pushes forth the idea that other people, you that your partner could fall in love with somebody else,
1: yeah. and
2: and be more. And feel the need in their life and for their selfhood to be in that relationship. And I think it just kind of, it that's what scares us. So that reality that any, I mean, really at any point someone could meet somebody else. Um, plenty of people make a decision, say this could be a potential relationship, but because of the life they built with somebody, they decide that's not what they want. I mean, there are other things that people want out of life, but um But I think there's like I think that kind of pushes the reality of we know it like it's yeah, it can take away a certain degree of this like fantasy of absolute security of marriage or monogamy. Yeah. Which is just not totally real because. No. People, things change. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have one soulmate. Yeah. Whatever that means. And we love we fall in love with people all the time. And sometimes that turns into a sexual relationship and sometimes that becomes a beautiful Mm -hmm. friendship and I feel like sometimes
1: I don't know my experience in monogamy has been that there hasn't even been the opportunity for me to fall in love with somebody else just the the way that I work yeah so I've never had that experience of being with someone and and, and falling in love with somebody else like mm-hmm. it just there wasn't space for that and I also like falling in love with someone who's in a relationship. It's just like, it's, it's very hard to do when someone's actively in a very committed relationship, mm-hmm. like, um, to actually have the time to build that kind of intimacy with somebody. But it happens and it, and it, and it can happen as a result of, uh, your lifestyle. Like maybe, you know, maybe you don't see your partner that much or whatever. Somebody uh, you work with somebody you work with. Yeah. And you happen <laughs> to like work a lot <laughs> and be in that environment a lot. It could be, um, it could be because there's something going on in your relationship that you are avoiding. Mm -hmm. And so you're spending more time elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, coming back to this, this person's question, I, (laughs) I mean, all of this is relevant, so it's great. Um, I I just, yeah, I think you're right. Like just asking more questions Mm -hmm. and maybe seeing if, if like, what do you need internally to have this conversation? Um, and not have it come from like an interrogation place, mm-hmm. even though a part of you I'm sure wants to, <laughs> or, you know, but like, can you just, is, is there a certain state of mind where you feel more curious that would be more conducive to actually getting the information that you're looking for?
2: Yeah. Are you, I mean, what is ultimately the goal of the conversation? Is it to uh like to be able to villainize him at the end of the day? Cause you know, to end the relationship, like, is it like sometimes we, I think a lot of people feel like they have to be angry at somebody or things have to become explosive before they like end a relationship. Right, or, right. You know, need a valid, you know, um ironclad thing right. to end a relationship when there's something that doesn't feel right, you just can't get all the right information, maybe like whatever, and that, but you just know in your gut that just something feels wrong and it just Yeah. Feels-
1: and the way this question is worded it feels like there's just more going on than
2: yeah. Come in and see me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's your website again? Counselorsf.com. dot com. So SF like San Francisco. Counselor SF. Not not like science fiction. Uh I'm <laughs> gonna change it to mean that now.
1: <laughs> Visit the science fiction therapist. <laughs> She's like Deanna Troy, but better at her job. Uh, I hope so. we we'd all hope, yeah. <laughs> I'm sensing that you're angry. It's <laughs> literally like how Deanna Troy does therapy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I shouldn't shit on her.
2: <laughs> She's like our closest proximity, like therapist.
1: Yeah. She, like, looks Oh well, and then Discovery dude has like one therapy session with the with the woman who was a therapist who was like an admiral or
2: whatever her her role. Oh was. yeah, and it's like. Well, I'm kind of down with the fact that she used to be a therapist and is now an admiral.
1: That's but. cool, <laughs> but also it it kind of gave off the impression of like that that thing that they do in film and television of one therapy session and yeah.
2: breakthroughs. Okay.
1: Totally dismissive. <clears throat> Feels very dismissive.
2: Yes, it's well, it's either that or we're like sleeping with our clients and we're totally terrible and completely you know off the chain and so.
1: I mean, but we are. are we well, I. Even if we're joking, I guess I shouldn't say that on my like, radio.
2: Don't let them know <laughs> um at you know, not in the office, but yes, in the rest of our lives we're all complete and utter messes. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: all the all my regular listeners know that.
2: <laughs> How do you think we understand it's not. From learning, it's just we're like nodding and I didn't take notes. I didn't just read about all your crazy in a book, like we
1: lived it. I live it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, present tense, right?
1: Present tense. Present tense. Yeah. So, what's our next question? Well, our next question is going to come after a song break. So, our next song, (laughs) I am going to play. This is not sex-related and
2: well it could be uh, everything can be everything sex can be sex-related sex related. if you can be a big I'm, enough
1: pervert I'm just really excited because one of my favorite bands Coco Rosie has a new single out and um it's called smash my head <laughs>
2: so wow we can make that sexy that can go many ways oh right yeah like what head are we talking about what head are we talking about oh. and what is happening and what's smashing really Yeah, well, I think in actual in actual British terms, it means having sex. Oh, so when you smash, that's going and having sex. Smashing, smashing. Mm.
1: (laughs) I'm gonna stop just in case any of my British people are listening. (laughs) They they don't like it when I try to do an accent. (laughs) (laughs) They say, "Don't do that, Lily." (laughs) They say, "Don't (laughs) just don't." I can't even try to like do that. They say. They say, don't. Don't. <laughs> no, that's not what they sound like. <laughs> okay, I got to stop. Um, I'm sorry. I was a theater major. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you do a French accent. Oh, I'm very incapable of that. Um, I couldn't even begin to
2: try. Okay. <laughs> can you? I-, I can't. I was just trying to think of like how you can say... No, in a, kind of a French accent, and I'm just like, Nye. oh, well, there you go. I guess if we're
1: saying no, Nye. is that that's true? I mean? There, it's very. And then there's yet, yet. Is Nye. that Russian, German, Russian? It's Russian. Wow, we are. We better just I listen to the song. Nine is German. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine, good old German. Yeah. Oh, oh, big recommendation because this happened since last week. I actually I had some plugs to make before we listen to the song anyway. So okay, few things. Big recommendation for the film Jojo Rabbit, which I saw twice last week. Um, so amazing. It's by a director who I love, Taika Waititi, uh, who's uh who's from New Zealand. He did um what we do in the shadows, which is one of my favorite comedies ever. Um, mm-hmm. he did Hunt for the Wilder People, which was beautiful film. Um. Uh, Eagle versus Shark. He, he's done a whole bunch of movies that are great. Um, he also did Thor Ragnarok, but kind of a bringing some of his humor into a more conventional, like blockbuster type thing. But um, Jojo Rabbit is uh, a film that takes place at the end of World War II in Germany. And the main character is a little boy who is the cutest little Nazi you've ever seen. <laughs> <The> <laughs> and- cutest little.
2: Nazi you've ever seen i didn't know i was gonna hear that phrase today
1: and it's it's about (laughs) it's it's incredible but it's basically um it it, it's you know it's risky (laughs) for a director to take on a film where you're coming from the perspective of uh the germans um but but it 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 is so well done and of course it doesn't it ultimately the lesson isn't like that you should be a Nazi, like the (laughs) the opposite of that. But it's um, an incredibly beautiful film. Mm -hmm. So funny. So emotional. Cried both times (laughs) in the theater. Like highly recommend. Um, So fucking clever. And Taika Waititi plays Hitler and he's brilliant. Um, So, well, the Hitler that's in the film I'm not gonna give too much away what watch the trailer if you want go see this movie it's playing at the Alamo Drafthouse see oh and I saw it I happened to see it the first time on one of the showings where um fam like people can come in with their babies and <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't quite realize when I bought the tickets <laughs> and um it, it was fine for me I'm I'm not really bothered by like baby sounds and in fact they're quite charming um it turned out the baby that made the most noise during the movie was actually the baby of somebody that i knew who i ran into afterwards but um so you could go see it with your child well no she
2: might be too big i i brought her to one and i think there were nazis in that film
1: i can't remember it was something comedic
2: very dry comedy i mean kind of dry somewhat slapsticky i can't remember because i don't i mean um anything happened within the first three months of of having my child, it's kind of a blur. She's how old now? She's a year and ten months. Okay, but you know, um, I'm like being of a family. Uh, my husband's Jewish, but yeah. I think you'd have a very good sense of humor about that. I mean, you can't.
1: I think I. Th- I mean, really, the the I. I mean, I know I know your husband, and I I think he's oh I he think was raised a he lot. was raised in more of a Jewish environment than I was, but I I think as a as a jew and as a person like i <laughs> extremely um appreciate it and thought it was really beautiful because it it's it was it was making it was it was a really clever way of talking about the horrors of what mm-hmm. was done mm-hmm. um in a way that um is like another access point which yeah you don't see very much I,
2: you know I, for him also he really like he feels like if he can't um, have a really dark sense of humor around these things, like there's a way in which I think there's a lot of you know, Jewish comedians, are, you know. But I yeah. think there's a way in which like that 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 resilience and that that humor and 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 being able to like tolerate and 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 find comedy in something so dark yeah. as almost the you know the complete murder of your. Um,
1: I mean, our family Passovers yeah. were usually fairly
2: comedic, so right, so I think there's like I think like well, a lot of people from uh, with the Jewish culture cannot how often have a sense of humor. Probably be the yeah. first to show up. Well, and
1: it depends. I think yeah, I think there's there's <laughs> definitely there's probably people who are worried about this film who haven't seen it uh, because maybe on the surface it appears as like how could that be funny or okay, but like it's. It's really great. Um, so that was plug number one. I have two more to go. Real, try to be really efficient here. Um, number two, and I thought of this earlier when Bloodhound Gang was playing and there was just the <laughs> guitar. Um, this Thursday at the uh, East Bay Community Center in Oakland is Instant Band Night, which uh, is one of, I've talked about on the show before, but it's one of my favorite things to do it's every two months this may be the last one so definitely if you've been interested you should go but it's like five bucks um you can you don't have to you can just come and enjoy it but you can add your name to buckets for different instruments and be randomly put into bands and you have seven minutes to come up with a song and get on stage and play it and um it, it brings so much joy into my life. I I go every every time I play, I get to be in like three or four bands. Last time I played drums, I get to rock out with distortion on the guitar. And like, I'm not amazing at these instruments. It's not about that. You, you don't have to, you could show up and be like, I've never played drums a day in my life, but I'm going to sign up for drums and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Truly, it is incredible. And then when songs end up being good, it's like, wow <laughs> it's super impressive and it happens yeah. but also if it's not it was fun yeah so it's i really encourage people to check that out you could always look for instant band night on facebook um to get more info and then the third thing is that this Saturday here at the secret alley um again you can look on bff's uh, facebook page but is our uh monthly besties bash so we'll have some great local musicians playing some snacks it's you know, if, if you're a bestie, that means you donate um, monthly to the station. You get in for free. If not, we just ask for a $10 donation at the door and you get to experience this really cool space and music you might not hear anywhere else and support a really good organization and cause. And these bands are getting paid, which is like, I know, crazy. Um, so yeah, check that out. And now that I've done all my plugging, let's circle back to Smash My Head by Coco Rosie. Um, and I apologize to the world uh, who finds Coco Rosie extremely abrasive because that might be the thing that I love about the most. <laughs> okay.
4: Smash my head.
2: community radio
0: bff.fm best frequencies forever
2: all your friends are doing it <laughs> all your friends are doing
1: it yeah I so I make those for the station love it <laughs> and um, I really ma- enjoyed making that one <laughs> the most <laughs> <laughs> there's there's another one that's like all your friends are doing it but like over and over and over and over again oh yeah the 15 second version
2: yeah, I almost one. Well, after this one, we can. Yeah, maybe we'll play, we play that one that later. later.
1: Yeah, I mean that that should be the ones we play for today's show yeah. thematically, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and especially that voice.
1: Oh yeah, so that's that's um, Beatrix Gravesgard of the Astral Projection Radio Hour. Who uh, their their show is on four to six p.m. today. Um, oh, that's her listening. voice. Yeah, that was your voice. I know. I had this conversation uh, with Ben Ward last Tuesday when I was. Uh, hung out on no magic radio um he he was like oh i refer to this as the lily in a box and i'm like because because for some reason him they all had my voice on it even though actually none none of them do but i think i think i just come through them somehow i think so (laughs) but also i think melissa and i are beatrix Beatrix. graves and i have a similar
2: voice uh at moments so I really love the name Beatrix. And I first thought you were just jokingly saying that that was like your alter ego.
1: No, that's. that's, And I was like, this is her alter ego.
2: (laughs) You have an alter ego, which I highly recommend. I do too, actually. You know, for, you know, I just. um, I don't have one at this point. I think I'm going to steal Beatrix for
1: future. You can do that. What? I don't know what my alter ego would be. It would be someone who's like not opinionated and
2: like so this is like your shadow part (laughs) maybe yeah yeah there's a lot of different
1: ways to approach it because the alter ego could be something that you want to aspire to right or or like a part of yourself that you don't express much but that you actually would find pleasure in expressing as opposed to a part of yourself that like uh yeah because i think if i'm like oh she's not opinionated then that's me shaming my normal everyday self
2: so what would be a part... Oh, maybe this is, we should maybe answer <laughs> I mean, we have, just, we have time. We have I mean, like, I mean, I also offer, like, what is this part of the self that you feel like you can't... Um, either in your normal everyday life or in if it were, not like necessarily you have to answer this, but like in your yeah. sex life that you wouldn't feel... That doesn't feel appropriate. Like maybe there's this person named... Like they like somehow like maybe she's like a a pearl clutching conservative. And, <laughs> that's actually um, that's the role I play in sex. <laughs> and the, but she's like really demeaning yeah. and dismisses her partner's feelings and is mm. very like you know uses all her privilege to get all her needs met and then leaves the other person a completely wasted husk. Ooh, I don't know what her name is. Maybe it's Janet. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, Susan,
1: Susan. Um, I apologize to any Susans out there who are listening. And Janet's.
2: but you know, you can use that material. Becky, you know. Becky. Um, <laughs> that's going so too far. It's going too far. Well, I feel like Becky is. Um. uh in my mind, then Becky is. She must be a character from like the early nineties, blonde, big sweater. Yeah, you know, um, she's she's more youthful. I'm thinking this this this
1: more like um, pearl clutching conservative is yeah is an, an a more adult name like Barbara or Susan. Yeah. yeah, but she's like very powerful. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's an interesting thing to think about though. With with sex, is like what what. You know, it doesn't even have to be like you're explicitly role playing in a very formal way. Yes. But like what parts of yourself that are or or parts of something you don't see as as you can be expressed a little bit. Like, like, oh, like, oh, a little more aggression or Mm -hmm. a little more, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, um a little more like you're talking about somebody who doesn't care about your partner's feelings, you know, like, like in a in a playful way, you know, that's like you know
2: but allows you to kind of take up the space that you wouldn't normally because me i mean because the sex isn't always pc sexuality isn't always, you know people can feel very bad they're like oh i like well uh it's hard to talk like, about like, without like, to say things. it. like i'm not saying what i like but i'm yeah. like i'm like oh i feel i even like even being self-conscious i'm like yeah well this is meant to be like a I mean, like, there is very um, conscious pornography, but there's also, like, reality is, like, some people are like, well, what if I have sexual fantasies and I like watching pornography? Like, say, if this is a white man, he likes watching pornography of certain ethnicities. I think there is a certain degree, yeah. like, maybe you could do some self-exploration around internalized racism and stuff like that. And yeah. sometimes it's super people, tricky. Yeah, and sometimes people like what they like,
1: you mm-hmm. know? And, like,
2: maybe, like, okay, oh, hey, so you have a ratification, a you know, ratification of something, but I'm like... But there can be a point where like sometimes sex is not PC. It's okay mm-hmm. if someone um like, well, it's not okay to, for people to be um you know, like people have like have a lot of certain certain feminists, a lot of I think a lot of feminists in our community in San Francisco don't have a lot of issues around BDSM, the idea of like humiliation or sadism. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like that's okay if you like that, you know, that is perfectly healthy sexuality.
1: Well, and I think I think the issue like when we talk about Mm, like a, a white cis man white straight cis man with with all that privilege having certain kinds of erotic desires that maybe reinforcing that privilege mm-hmm. I think it's it's tricky <laughs> because you're right there's we don't have a ton of control over what our sexual fantasies are and we shouldn't be shamed for them mm-hmm. and it would be really good for People to talk about that with a therapist, someone they feel safe, would talk about those fantasies and unpack them and try to try to take the shame out of it while still making space for understanding what's going on there, uh, You know, especially, all, especially so it doesn't play out in
2: in the real world with real people who could be harmed by that, who are not consensual, you know, consenting yeah. to it, who aren't yeah. into it, who aren't, you know, if, if somehow it's oppressive, the other person, if it's exploitative of the other person, it's coercive to the mm-hmm, other person. Mm-hmm. That's when you really need to check yourself. That's yeah. what's like a lot of the issues is that, you know, when we have our consent culture, you know, I I think <clears throat> this is a total segue because I can't really talk in a linear fashion. But um <laughs> nothing's linear man. I think that it's just an illusion. So like <laughs> I mean, but what's really great about the um BDSM and King community is actually they have, you know, as much as and in, in, um in in certain I I don't know how to say it. in certain groups of individuals they have like oh they have a lot of criticisms like hello the BdSM and King community brought you brought to you by like a really good clear um consent communication like really right. like talking about what are you into do what do you want to do and like really talking about what someone wants to do before they do an act and like how do we communicate we want to go slower we don't want to do that how do we check in and then of course after care afterwards so as much as like we want to bag on the kink and BDSM community like interestingly enough that they're they're having really great communication and really owning their desires and really taking care of their partners and so I think the the vanilla community you know is not the The vanilla community the vanilla community (laughs) I mean, I don't know. That could be really um, maybe news. I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily bad. The vanilla ice cream is delicious. As a basis I mean, for a lot of things. I don't know what this says about me, but that is one of my favorite flavors of ice cream. And you know what? <laughs> if you're sex positive, you're sex positive towards being vanilla. Right. You know, yes. if you're ice cream positive, you are. positive. Yeah. Just right. like you're if you're. Just like what I really
1: appreciated about like the book I had read when I was in a relationship, trying to figure this stuff out um, about open relationships. I am mm-hmm. wondering if you even recommended it to me. It's called Opening Up. Uh, maybe not. I don't sure, know. It's, it's all it, was, me. it was years ago. <laughs> not me. But the thing that I really loved about it was because because I think you can sometimes come across people um, who, especially in the Bay Area, who it can feel like there is a holier than thou thing mm-hmm. about being poly or being you know or like being um so much more sexually like open you know mm-hmm. and what i loved about this book was it, it was so validating of the full spectrum and mm-hmm. that if monogamy and like whatever mm-hmm. kind of monogamy is for you is that's that's totally valid yeah. as a form of you know re- relationship and sexual choice mm-hmm. and it's just about here's the option here's here's a range of options and what that might look like in case examples and like how people navigate that and Mm -hmm. now here's some questions for you to be asking yourself Mm -hmm. about what do you want yeah and any answer is okay yeah and then and then and then consent yeah and then and then also your partner needs to be consenting to it or partners need to be consenting to whatever it is
2: and it's a whole conversation before you ever get naked whatever mm. the thing is, or before like the situation is. You yeah. Know. And that's harder to do, but I think people are getting better <laughs> at it. <laughs> but wouldn't it be, I mean, I really suggest <laughs> that people, I mean, one therapist I, I knew, she said, if you can't talk about it, you can't do it. Which I mean like, you know, whatever spontaneity I mean. But um, I think it's, it is good to have a lot of this conversation. Like, it, And you know what, frankly, like so much sex shouldn't happen. Sex, sex happens way before, I should say like, one sexual sex life happens way before not necessarily when you're uh, naked. Yeah. And so like that's really like having a constant erotic charge and being able to have like erotic conversations or giving erotic looks and like you know is really really healthy for and fulfilling for your... I don't know. I'm just going off and saying a lot of things. But it's really really important and fulfilling for relationships and like I mean you're talking about you know validating vanilla sex, validating monogamy, validating asexualism. It's okay to not... Have romantic or sexual desires, or even just like straight up sexual desires towards other person. You are not broken. Yeah. You know, you're nothing wrong with you. You're just you are part of the wonderful spectrum of human sexual expression. And so, um, I, you know, so as a sex therapist, I'm not here to say, you know, people say, well, how often, especially whatever, whatever whatever partner, you know, have, how often should I be having sex? (laughs) Is how long, how often you want to be having sex. Is usually the answer. Like, how much does it really work for you and your partner? There's no right. There's no right number. Yeah. There's no amount of time, or number of times, or however long that people yeah. need to be having sex to have a healthy, thriving sex life. Right. So that's a that's a lovely thing. I just like the nugget to pass along. Yes. And people don't like ambiguity, though.
1: People Ooh. want an answer. People want to yeah. know what is the metric by which I should be measuring <laughs> myself. You know, like what's. The right amount what's the right amount of orgasms what's the right penis size what's the you know like we all want to know what is correct because being able to actually access that subjective experience inside of ourselves is back to that keyword vulnerable yes really
2: vulnerable yeah yeah and it's complicated then um you know i do want to like this is just going to be a constant like I get a soapbox day, so I'm really excited about it. Yay! So, um, you know, (laughs) you know, um, in the in our in my little intro song, um, they did make small penis jokes, which they did, and it was the 90s. So I guess it's still a thing that happened. Um, so, but what I'm like, it's an opportunity, right? This is a (laughs) learning opportunity. Is that a lot of? I mean, some men have fears about that. Um, if um though so it was poetic how he did it, he said he's hung like Pluto hung like Pluto, which we all kind of love Pluto. I know we're all like, make Pluto a planet again, I know so you so i mean in in um this often comes well I think it comes up in a lot of different relationships, but it's very i i think just statistic wise this um heterosexual relationships, and one thing that you know in my lovely sex therapy classes as we talked about if you're if you're a cisgender man having sex with cisgender woman. That a lot of women, first of all, having an orgasm isn't, you know, I don't know statistics, statistics between 40 and 60 percent of women have a challenge with having orgasms, but like enjoying penetrative sex is lower on the totem pole. Yeah, I'm like, that is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like a, and you know, but it's well, like so, and totem poles no, is an no. issue, and uh, you know, and so, um. Women really like clitoral stimulation and like oral sex. And so, this kind of fan, like this, I think, okay, this is, oh, this is going to segue very nicely to a million points I have to make. Um, But, like, is (laughs) that so for, you know, for men having, like, I think there's, you know, penis size is so this way of, you know, concretizing one man's like virility or masculinity um, and really, for women's pleasure, it's not the key fixture. And a lot of women don't want a lot of that you know, it's actually I think more often than not, men with very large penises have a hard time sexually. Finding partners mm-hmm. um who want to continue to have sex with them or to have sex with them. That is bigger bigger issue, sorry. Uh like, then and then and, and so not to, you know, bag on men who have that, you know, challenge there will be a woman who really loves that I and mean, like loves fisting will love enjoy that and you know men who are feel that their penises are smaller you know whatever like on the bell curve of penis size for like, a lot of bell and the bell uh, bell curve <laughs> and so that's going to be really helpful for a lot of women because for women have um, pelvic floor pain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. women you know it's A lot of women don't really need stimulation that far into their vaginal canal. And so it's like it's just to um, demystify the idea of small penises, you know, not being making for sex not being as possible. Actually, it's like that's not that is a lot more of a misnomer in our world.
1: And I think when it comes to sex, there are just so yeah, there's so much misinformation so much fear so yeah. many stereo like stereotypes right. and and ideas that have been perpetrated for decades that are just or centuries that are just <laughs> not you know helpful i mean yeah just the idea of virginity like i mean all I these know. like constructs that are right. yeah really bullshit and and yeah. and even what what is sex when right. like well, there are people who don't have penetrative
2: sex. Well, with penis and vaginas. Right. Exactly. Right. So you can wait. Yeah. Like, what is penetrative sex? Like hands, uh, dildos, vibrators, a penis. And, you know, are you a virgin if you've had a penis in your. I mean, like, so if you if we say virginity is having a penis and a vagina, then it really dismisses. Um, pe- you know, horseback riding for people who are gay and lesbian. Yeah, so it's like yeah. bullshit. It's like yeah, that's totally. It's total bullshit. Right. And so...
1: and I mean the whole hymen thing is like Ugh. bullshit. Anyway. Oh, I know um, like
2: that whole controversy it should be sexual abuse in my pers- perspective. Right? Yes. Um yeah, knowing yeah, so like that um, that so like there's a lot of things I'd love to talk about, but why don't we you have a plan? Oh yeah, we
1: do have another question. So um but hold on.
0: Community,
2: Community Radio, Radio. All your friends are doing it. All your friends are doing All it.
0: Your are doing All, your it. Are doing All your friends are doing it. doing it. All your friends are doing All it.
2: All your friends are doing it. All
0: your friends <laughs> are doing
2: it. Best frequencies forever.
1: <laughs> See? it's good. I was like the other one, but longer. <laughs> With more doing it. The extended version. The extension. Um. Okay. After we just talked about how that doesn't matter that much, but... I still wanted it. But you
2: can get I mean if there are um Well, I mean an extent I mean when No but there really is like dildos, you can put over your penis. Yeah. It's like so you get to play with if you want to play the fantasy of having a giant dick when it's convenient, I guess. Yeah. Uh you can go right in and do that. So like, giant dick convenience. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sound of a bam. Like yeah, yeah. Giant dick convenience. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, let's we're gonna switch gears a little bit. Um <laughs> this is this is actually a different topic. Uh though not totally unrelated, but it's related to, you know, your work with trauma. And I know Mm -hmm. before you were certified as a sex therapist, you had done some training in EMDR. Yeah. And that is a technique used to work with trauma. So this is um, a question related to that. So I'm going to read it and then maybe we can talk a little bit about what EMDR is and what it's recommended for. And like, you know, I mean, I only know a tiny bit, um, but also about how this person might approach the situation. So so they write, um, do you know much about EMDR? No. Um, <laughs> I know a little bit. Um, I'm supposed to start it soon with my shrink and I feel real nervous about it. Whenever I'm supposed to do it, I end up canceling my session. Do you treat people with it or have you had that treatment? I just don't know what to expect. And the idea of talking about my biggest traumas makes me want to throw up. Whew. So, I mean, I'll I'll answer the part about do I? I don't use it um, as a therapist because I'm not trained in it,
2: and I've heard good things. But well, I I can understand not wanting to talk about your biggest traumas, and that's how, you know that's really scary. So uh, you know I'm not sure what you've done yet in your EMDR. So EMDR process should look like this. I mean yeah. this, at least is how I do it.
1: Well, can you can you say what EMDR oh, stands for? Eye
2: movement desensitization reprocessing. And it
1: has like some pretty good implications for working with uh, trauma. acute trauma. Trauma. So, like yeah.
2: any, you know, um, experiences that result in when you think about or any type of stimulation that reminds you of that trauma and it's, it brings up disturbance. And so, yeah. it's about like just trying to reduce the disturbance. So, in other words, like say you're on a plane and it almost crashed and you're terrified of getting on planes that you are, you are. Not going to look at a plane and feel like you're almost going to have a panic attack. It takes away that. But there's there are um, I think four or five and because I just have to say I'm out loud count them out loud. Different elements of processing. So there's like the the visual image of what we know what was the traumatizing experience that you have. There's the physical sensations. So um, a trauma memory is very much about a felt experienced. Um, and emotions that so you connect to that. And then um, emotions and sensations aren't always necessarily the same thing, mm-hmm. um, even though you feel physically emotions. And then there's usually a belief about yourself or yourself in the world. So in other mm-hmm. words, I'm going to die. So mm-hmm. when you look at airplanes, you have this association of, of believing you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And So EMDR this research-based method. I guess they call it a theory now. Um, there's a whole... Um, People get trained and certified. I'm certified um, in doing this form of therapy. And um, what it, and there's a whole story I'm not really good at telling, but basically this is kind of what it looks like. There are these little buzzers or this light bar Mm -hmm. where it's a light beam that goes back and forth from left to right, basically, and stimulating your left hemisphere and right hemisphere, going over that kind of center midline. And what it does, it allows your brain to be more engaged because when trauma or something fearful happens, usually a very small portion, that kind of back lower lizard part of your brain is activated and our higher thinking of our frontal lobe and maybe even our more acute, like, um, sophisticated emotional centers are not online. Right. So we really want to get everything online. Um, because usually what happens is we have a traumatic event, like it's very, um, that kind of animalistic lizard part of the brain was thinking and then it never kind of got to fully process it in our full human self or maybe even you could say in our, even, even if it were if we we're really an animal to like really let go of that fear and get to a sense of safety. Yeah. you. The hard thing is, I mean, ironically, an animal would be terrified, run away, feel better the human beings usually are terrified and then our frontal lobes kick in and shut everything down and don't. It like keeps us in a loop. Yeah, so yeah. it locks it in there. It doesn't allow it to totally be processed. So what EMT evolution? Yeah, I mean it's like <laughs> it's like uh, it, it allows us to totally sacrifice our bodies uh to do whatever work we want to do or be in certain relationships the detriment of our like <laughs> of our health. Yeah. Um yeah. which also brings about some really interesting things but like art but hmm. there's, but at the other end is like we, all, very few animals you ever see traumatized other than animals that are domesticated. Oh, interesting. And so, because yeah. they don't get to, ha- anyways, yay. But, <laughs> you know, um, you know, so unfortunately, so this so EMDR is a process that allows you to bring all the different elements about the traumatic or like a piece of the traumatic incident together and so you may hold buzzers and they go left and right and they kind of distract you that way because yeah if you're talking about something really really scary but if you're slightly distracted from it, it's hard to really get into the full embodiment of it but you get just enough yeah just enough that you can process it so it's more like a garden hose instead of a fire hose yeah yeah, yeah. if you're if we're just going fire hose emotional state of processing a trauma we can just re-traumatize you yeah but if we go garden hose i think mean, we can handle that we can get we'll get wet but we won't drown and, um, so light bar can do the same thing, but like I said, there's the activation of the brain component you um, but before you do all that, um, your therapist should be teaching you some skills of relaxation or, you know, teaching you how to like contain feelings, um, at the in, or thinking of a comforting place or having um, what, you know, I create, which is called a wise person, a nurturer or a protector and imagining those people. Being able to show up for you in a supportive way, and that can be very yeah. reassuring throughout the week.
1: And, and you and you can spend months or even longer me. doing that preparation with some people,
2: so, right? So, so somebody can really can go there, and it's not just like, oh my god, I don't have any coping. I never learned coping mechanisms other than just to like bottle it up. Like now, I feel like I have coping strategies that if something comes up, I feel like I can I can actually. Process these feelings. So, and then um, I do a top ten positive list because I want to know what positive resources there are and experiences, and draw strengths from what people have experienced in life. Then I also do as a top ten worst memory list. It's only the mm. highlights. We, we do not get into the nitty gritty. I don't want you thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I just you, most people go. I know what the worst things I have in my life are, and they can write a quick list around it. Yeah. And then we look for themes. Usually, there's like unfortunately, things often repeat themselves, and like yeah. and so um, you know, if you feel like you're going to go for the for the tippy top most traumatic experience you had in your life for your first EMDR session. Um, when I was trained, we don't necessarily recommend that we look for something that's known as low hanging fruit, which is like something that really sucked that happened to you that makes you f- like when certain things trigger that, but it's not like related to your, I mean, it's not connected to your core trauma, but you can mm-hmm. kind of, I like to say it's like, you can learn the ins and outs of EMDR without having to like, and like get it demystified yeah. before you are um before you're going to go for the really tough stuff.
1: Yeah, like I could see for me doing something around like a car accident I had when I was 20, uh, 19, um, mm-hmm. 20, I don't know, um, would be low hanging fruit compared to like the broader childhood attachment right. traumas, you right. know, which are again, like first of all, they're not acute. So that's a, a, a different kind of trauma right. to be addressing. But also, like the car accident was, was scary and i know that it was traumatizing but it not in the same way in terms it 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 doesn't tap into my personal big biggest issues which are around like abandonment and now a car accident could bring that up for someone else due to whatever surrounded it but for me that that wasn't it, it wasn't like around abandonment and nobody loving me and like right. all of that um so it would be way safer one to start with than Mm -hmm. like what happened uh, socially in elementary school for instance and like that makes sense that you would kind of go through the process there right
2: and you can there's so many different ways like people say you should always go for the root because it's going to clear things up so much more quickly there's some therapists who actually just look for like okay so you have all this complex developmental trauma we'll actually find something that's like like well, maybe peel it more like an onion. Yeah. Or further right. out. Right. And or like look for a teeny tiny piece. So like let's say it was someone, you know, here's an example that a um, an educator gave me was that someone was sexually assaulted in a bathroom. Mm. But we just think about the outside of the building. We just process that piece. Oh, and so we, uh-huh. we slowly like, okay, can we just manage that? Yeah. So yeah. slowly slicing off pieces of it. So we don't have to go for the most terrifying part was when that person had their hand over your mouth and you thought you were either going to die. Yeah. You know, and so that's not what we're going to go for first in this, like yeah. in that, if it's a single incident trauma, so single incident traumas are usually, they're kind of like, um, people have really positive outcomes with them and complex trauma. Just generally, if that's something you're processing through in your, in your th- um, therapy, it's, it's, it's tough. It's yeah. really complicated. And That's it's like long term. Yeah. And you're in the weeds. And um, so just be compassionate with yourself. And obviously, I think your nervous system, When we're talking about bodies don't lie. Your nervous system is saying nope yeah. to you. And so listen to that and tell your therapist that you need more support around feeling comfortable. And maybe it's the relationship. Yeah. If you don't feel safe and held by that person. Um, maybe you just maybe there is a piece around you know security and trust have she at, at all in your relationship yeah. before feeling like you're going to go oh I'm going to go talk about how I was abandoned by my mom at the age of four or something right like
1: that. well and I really appreciate that this person yeah is even conscious of the fact that they're canceling yeah. because of this yeah. and like I I we don't know but I hope that they can talk to their therapist about it and my hope is that may, maybe for you like the. The, the challenge would be to actually go, to not cancel, go and say no. Yeah. Say, we're not going to do this today because I can't. And here's why and here's how I'm feeling about doing it. And yeah. if you don't feel supported around that by your therapist, then I don't think that I then I would be concerned that your therapist isn't the right therapist for you. Yeah. But if you can tell them, if you can set a boundary, if you can say, this is how I feel, I'm not ready. And they're like, oh, i Yes, thank you for telling me. I think I inadvertently was pushing you harder than I realized, mm-hmm. or like clearly we need to pull back more. Like yeah. and then you can work from there. If if you don't feel like, you know, your ability if, if you if you try saying no and you try sharing how the idea of doing it is making you feel um and they don't respond well to it, then then honestly I would say get the fuck out. Yeah. This then is a- they're they're not a safe therapist for you.
2: Yeah. I mean you can be terrified but also kind of slightly have enthusiastic in kids. And I can I'm where yeah. people are like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I really want to do this. Totally. Too.
1: Yeah, that's that's how I I've felt about things like I, that. I think
2: it's like there's like that feeling. If you're like, Uh oh, I'm gonna be like someone told me this is good for me and uh, Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh you know what? Good. You know what? It's it's you are doing therapy by saying no, I don't wanna do yeah. I don't want to be in VR it's like yes you are doing your personal work I'm yeah. guessing there's something in there that's really powerful and so to totally validate like telling your I mean I'm totally pro I'm a humanistic therapist so I'm totally pro like like the relationship's really key and so being able to mm-hmm. say to somebody no is really healing and really important Yeah, and to listen to listen to that and work with it rather than just you know
1: yeah because because wanting to throw up at the thought of it is not um oh i'm a little scared but i still right. want to do this wanting to throw up is um is is, is big information and mm-hmm. there there has to be room for all of that in your therapeutic relationship and yeah it i mean the show is all about the relationship being kind mm-hmm. of the number one thing and that's that's why i kind of and i've had a therapist on the show before who does emdr um who talked about this too but that there's this idea out there that emdr can be just a supplemental to your therapy just show up and do a few sessions and yeah. heal your trauma and maybe that works
2: for some people for but very like it, for a single incident yeah trauma that's so clear and concise and, the, and, and maybe even milder because how
1: yeah. how the hell are you building the relationship if you're just like, I'm gonna go do three sessions of EMDR with this well, one person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Six, you <laughs> like, know?
2: I tell people, I'm like, you're in for at least six sessions because we're gonna have to do a lot of setup. And but yeah, I mean, like, they yeah. like, it's not if you don't have any, you have no complex trauma in your background, you no know, trauma in your background, just single. Like, <laughs> wow, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> sure, and I mean. So I mean and you've done the years of therapy you could probably you know whatever ugh, there's plenty of people who like there is not plenty there's people who definitely can do that but I don't I feel like that is that is a well I'm going to get in trouble but like I feel like that yeah. it can be a little bit oversold like you know also EMDR is always successful and EMDR can help everything yeah. and it's just like were you at that same conference as me, For or the the, the the the? We were at a talk, and somebody
1: you know, on about trauma. Well, and, That's an EMDR. Well, well, remember. it was, and somebody stood up to be like, well, actually, I cure ninety nine percent of cases within. And, like, even just that word cure really yeah, bothers um, me. Well, is um, she
2: like, t- or he? She, yeah. That, she, they, <laughs> so it, it, it's it like was, she's totally selecting very specific individuals and completely weeding out. I'm like, I, that's what I've also noticed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just it's a bag on a therapist. Just, no, I love other therapists. I love EMGR. I love my <laughs> EMGR. <laughs> but I have criticisms because I think love also means being able to have boundaries and criticisms yeah. of those who you love. But I think there's also can be like, Okay, people are very, very selecting in who they work with. So, also, I've, you know, as an EMDR therapist, a lot of people come to me, EMDR, have no idea what EMDR is, but their friend had it go really well for them. And then I think they think EMDR should be this thing for them. And I like, and it's so hard to be like, we can try it and you can try it, but it's, you know, your process and your journey may be very different. And it doesn't mean that, oh, because EMDR, you're more fucked up or blah, 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 blah. It is not true at all like there's yeah. just i've seen amazing things that happen in all different modalities and there's reasons why there's all these different therapists is because of like everyone has such a different healing path if you're going to play this for your therapist um tell them about the flash technique so there is actually a technique with emdr you don't even talk you don't even talk about the idea is you're not even supposed to really even think about the thing that traumatized you and people have been having success with it and so if your therapist does EMDR. Uh, she or he is like really into EMDR and she can easily or he, he can easily or whatever. They can easily. There you go. They, that is the, that is the pronoun to use, yep. I, you know, is that um they can learn the flash technique. It's readily available, um, created by Philip Mansfield. And so for, if you have a client who is overwhelmed by the even the thought of doing, you can do the flash technique. And for most people doing the flash, well, I should say, this is what Phil says. <laughs> so i'm like telling this and being like also talking out the other side of my mouth you know like and it might not work um but it's great because for people who don't want to even think about it they don't have to and this can be a really great way of reducing just the anxiety around it so you can so if you know you know as a cl- as a client you can go and advocate for yourself and say hey are you willing i'm terrified are you willing to help me out by looking up this thing called the flash like you know like flashing uh the flash (laughs) technique or like the superhero um there's a whole lot happening right now
1: i'm I'm flashing (laughs)
2: um bff.fm
1: all your friends are doing it doing it doing 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 it it well doing
2: it anyway yeah the flash technique so i mean it's it's exactly like what happened you don't even think about your trauma. Yeah, anymore. your therapist you is to flash you.
1: You're like, "You know what? I'm cured. <laughs> I'm cured. I'm cured, cured by boobs. <laughs> it's it's otherwise known as the boob, the boob cure. The boob cure. The boob cure. Um, what can you can you say how the flash technique works? Um or is that like
2: too much insider information? No, it's like it's a you know I haven't I'm like I'm trying to think of it. Like basically all people are really doing is like you just talk about what your target is he's phil's redone it but they we had this thing where he would just say imagine like the thing is on the other side piece of paper facing down and then the therapist just says flash and someone blinks like three times and says how you know like checks in with how the intensity is so you're just like you literally when you flash quote unquote you don't even think about it but you're like subconsciously think about the target that's Technically, on the other side of the paper, so it's yeah. almost like it's like metal layers of like yeah. not thinking about D- it, D- distancing. And and <laughs> from what I understand
1: about EMDR in general, and then and then like effective trauma work is like you need to create safe, right, a safe enough distance from the thing so that you right. can actually look at it at right. some point or like touch it in a way. Right. But you have to be, you have to create safety and distance so it doesn't feel like it's going to take over and you're gonna be right back in that experience. Right. Because
2: that's not what you want. That's not what you want. I mean, and then you can't process it. So there's this called this like proximal zone of God, how's it in it? Yeah. I think there's I like this middle zone. So either yeah. you're going to like go into shutdown or you're going to go to overdrive. Yeah. So if we keep you in that middle place, then you can definitely, um, you can actually have a full functioning mind and think about it and process it. So I'd yes. like. I want a full functioning mind. Yeah. How <laughs> do we get one of those? <laughs> That's that's in the scientific future. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I look you forward could become to become a cyborg.
1: I would really I I honestly I mean, it's complicated, but a part of me would be fine with that, you know? And a part mm-hmm. of me is like, Oh eh, can they control my brain from afar? But yeah. but there's also yeah, I don't know. Don't Science. They, are we
2: already cyborgs? Don't they already control our brains? Right. I mean yeah damn wait do we have another question or no 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 no, no. we're about to wrap up but but
1: i start to get really weird when i decided to not pee when i had a chance and i spend the the last quarter of the show having to pee because that then like really strange things start to seep out of my mouth not not pee but you know (laughs) thoughts thoughts (laughs) it's me trying to manage my my body uh physiologically through through thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um this is really great because we've covered we've covered a lot of ground today. <laughs> a lot of really important and hard hmm. um and, and sometimes soft, and
2: that's and sometimes okay. Sometimes
1: soft and that's okay. Sexy ground. Also trauma and EMDR. I mean, wow. How did we do all of that?
2: Because we're magic. Yeah. Okay,
1: so I've got a couple of final questions for you that are not listener questions. They're Lily questions. <sighs> What's my favorite food? What's your favorite I'm kidding? I'm kidding. Uh, that's not the question. Oh, okay. I was going to guess. I mean, you can guess.
2: I'm going to guess it's like some type of pasta dish.
1: Wrong. I don't have a favorite food. You don't have a favorite? No, but I do really like pasta, and I made spaghetti last night. And well, maybe really that's good. what I was just vibing off. And that's of. going to be my lunch today. P.S. I am psychic. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, okay. So, my question is: the treasure is buried somewhere in San Francisco. Okay. What is? What the... is the treasure? Uh, which and where is it buried? Where is it buried? Uh, <laughs> Are you just gonna? You're just gonna ask me the question?
2: Um <laughs> It's in Dolores Park. Ooh. you will and you can see people ritualistically dancing over it at night with those like glowing loops. Oh, that's true. and, they, <laughs> and during the day that should,
1: that should be that should be your uh,
2: your uh first clue. That should be your first clue. Yeah. And um you know, uh, and then all the debauchery that happens around it, I mean, I really feel like there's a vortex, uh-huh. but you can't they can't you can't dig it up. No. Or uh, spirits and skeletons are going to rise from the ground, and it will be the apocalypse.
1: Okay, so you got to leave it buried deep in the earth, kind of like nuclear waste. Is the treasure nuclear waste,
2: Abby? Yeah, we're all going to become zombies, essentially. Mm. Mm. We're like something along, you know, like not exactly zombies because we're not going to be dead, but some type of like strange mutant race, but not in a cool X-Men kind of way. Mm. I'm so sorry. No but I like the idea that it's more like cursed pirate yeah. treasure. Yeah,
1: I I like that too. You're the first one to really really make it negative and I appreciate that because <laughs> I'm ex- I love making things negative love. and and in a way it's positive because you know like maybe that's our salvation. You know from all of this. Is the curse of the pirate treasure. The
2: curse of the pirate. We maybe have to wield the, the pirate treasure that was maybe... I mean, I could just make the story um, more complex. I mean, of course, we always could. But I have
1: one more question for yeah. you. And we only have like a couple minutes for it. So um, I should have, should have started with the treasure one like an hour ago. <laughs> um, okay. If you could go back to Abby... Who is just about to go to her very first therapy session, like you going to therapy, like me going into a therapy for myself, for yourself, oh. and and like what what is something that you know now about the process that that you might want
2: her to know? Oh my god, I love oh sh- we only have a little time. Oh, I love the story of going to therapy. I'll try yeah. to be very brief if you can tell it in two minutes because we still okay. have to. I was play in grad school and I was like, uh, P.S. I was also a um training to be a yoga teacher so i was seriously seriously um spiritually bypassing Mm -hmm. and i thought i was i had it my shit down and i was like i'm gonna go to therapy because it's a requirement of my program (laughs) and i thought i was just gonna like boom boomshallah everything you know into like you know all of my Whatever out of existence, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> you can just, just say it's probably homes. not there. Like actually selling therapy, but like I got in there and I was <laughs> shit. I was like I was like, oh no, I am. <laughs> you know, I'm actually being really passive, doormat, and I'm um, like, and like trying to be like it's all good was just like was utter bullshit. Yeah, and um, and I think uh. I don't think I'd warn myself at all because I think I probably wouldn't have gone. I've just been like, like, enjoy the fucking mystery. And yeah. And I like really appreciate um, the process of it because um, it really fundamentally changed. You know, I I think like I got I'm like, you know, I'm also like anyways, I could totally go forever. But I think it was like that's the thing. I would not tell myself anything because I just would I would if I could watch myself again get totally rocked yeah in a good way and like a waking up kind yeah. of like no yoga wasn't going to give you well I mean in a lot of ways it did but like it was not going to be ultimately the place of you really really waking up in that kind of deep sense mm. of the world like no therapy is going to wake
1: I, up. I love that idea of actually just letting letting yourself figure it out and not warning yeah Thank you so much for coming on the show. Mm, I'm so glad this finally happened. Right before we end, five more broadcasts. Please keep listening. Please send more life questions in at radicaladvicehow.com. Um and yeah, like you can follow radical underscore advice on Twitter. You can find radical advice on Facebook. You can find Abby at counselorsf.com. hmm and you should go talk to her about sex. Yeah, you or should. or anything else, but sex. Sex is always fun. Yeah, you know, and pay me for it, possibly. Well, you know, all right. pay 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 Abby <laughs> and talk to her about sex. Um, we're gonna close out with "Aquatic" by Sun Lux. Mm. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm gonna go pee now. <laughs>
4: In a clearing to wrestle in the dark, then maze among the lights, see the notes that emerge in the face. It's time to quit the race.